one of my favorite conversations of this podcast coming your way. A great guy, a great songwriter who knows just how to speak to everyday human emotions. Uh, You're getting a new Dan today to add to your music collection. Dan Zlotnick. Z-L-O-T-N-I-C-K. If you're a fan of rock and roll music, that's all I'll say. If you're a fan of rock and roll, written from the heart, played from the heart, sung from the heart, you are in the right place, my friend. We're going to preview one of Dan's latest songs, Treasure Treasure, right before the start of this episode. And if you stick around for the entire conversation, which I hope you will, Dan brings out his acoustic guitar for the first ever Dan Time live performance. A three-song set featuring a few of his live set standards. You can find Dan Zlotnick's music wherever you download music. He's also featured on the Christine Chanel single, Happier. And finally, Dan wrote the theme song for the acclaimed New York Yankees podcast, Talkin' Yanks, featuring John Boy and Talkin' Jake. They recap every series, break down every roster move. If you call yourself a Yankee fan, this is a must-add to your podcast rotation. All right, let's check it out. Treasure, treasure, and then get to the conversation, folks. It is Dan Zlotnick time. August 7, 1984. Dad said, son, let's see what you find first. A good job or the door. Well, the Air Force said, I'll report in about a year. So I aimed my bike at the Florida Keys and I revved it into gear. Treasure, treasure, you can't hide. I'll find treasure in a 20 hour ride. Two days later, over pie and beers, this man named Captain Fisher said, There's sunken treasure here. It's the Spanish boat of Tocha. Can't help him die I'm not sure that I believe him But it might be worth a try Treasure, treasure You can't hide I'll find treasure In sliced key lime pie Okay everybody, welcome once again To another episode of the Dan Time Podcast I'm your host, Dan McArdle We have reached episode number 30. Number 30. Um, there was a time not too long ago. Where does the time go? I was just on episode three. Now we're at 30, and this thing is still plugging along. I appreciate all of you dedicated, long-time Dan Time listeners. You are uh, in for a special episode tonight. When I created this podcast on the hosting platform, and you have to excuse me, I'm getting over a cold tonight, but... Uh, I had to select a couple categories of how I wanted to promote the episode, some some tag words, and so I picked music interviews and baseball. And I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe one time we'll uh, line up those two perfectly. And uh, today we we kind of have this is like a dream episode for me uh, to have someone representing both backgrounds, and also I want to emphasize. 
one of the purposes of this podcast is to hopefully be an algorithm buster for some of you people who are always looking to discover new music, but you're just kind of being led down the same road. I mean, some of the stuff uh, like on Spotify where it's if you like this artist, you're going to love this artist or these groups of artists, that, that's all good. But I always like uh, just getting a surprise recommendation from a friend or something like that. So here's what we're doing tonight. First of all, if you listen the past two weeks, uh, that was some silly season. Maybe that was much needed. But we're back on the dance, and I could not be happier to introduce to you tonight Westchester County, New York-based singer-songwriter Dan Zlotnick. Dan, how are you doing tonight, man? Thanks for being here. I'm very excited to be a part of this. I've been a Dan my whole life, and I'm, I'm excited to be another participant on this podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, folks, I always like plugging other people and what they're doing. Please check out the Sisters in Song podcast for kind of a, a really good general background on Dan Zlotnick, Sisters in Song. Wherever you download podcasts, you can pull that up. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's Bethany and Carolyn, and they put on a really good production there. But how did I find Dan? That was a question that he asked me. Uh, and rightfully so. I've been asked a few times, you know, thanks for the invitation. Oh, by the way, where did you find me? And this is actually a new technique, Dan. I have not employed this until now. I used to just Google songwriters and Dan and then, very, you know, different Dannys and Daniela and, and so forth. And I thought, well, why don't I just get on my music platform and start searching Dan and then the first letter, you know, there's only 26 chances or you could... So I uh, got to the Z's, and again, even though I find it, Dan, because there's, pl- there's some, you can find uh, a bunch of them that way, I got to kind of find something with the music that, that grabs a hold of me, and then I go from there. So that's how I discovered Dan Slotnick, searching Dan and the letter Z, and then I, I was one song in to DZB 2023, and I said, that's it. I got to get... I got to get these fingers tapping and send him an email. Another thing, if you're listening to this show and I have reached out to you and you're thinking, what is this? Who is this guy? What is this email? These are not AI generated emails. I actually sit down and uh, personally invite you. So Dan, I'm talking way too much. This is your hour. This is your moment. Let's talk real quick about DZB 2023. I want to tell you something, man. It is so cool to hear a live album from a new artist that you've never heard before, and your introduction to him is a live record. How'd you decide to do that? Well, that's really cool. I, I, I'm glad that you like it, and I really appreciate it. It came from the fact that I really feel like my band and I are, are a live band. The majority of my income, the majority of my time is spent performing, and we have so much fun live, and we also have created such a great community of fans and friends and family that come out to see us. So I said, why don't we celebrate this and kind of capture these moments? So the album, the first idea that I had for the album was to take our show at Daryl's House Club in Pauling, New York, and just release that show. And then it kind of occurred to me that Sometimes we play as a trio, sometimes we play as a four-piece band, and what if we captured 
a show when we were playing as a four-piece band. And so we played this outdoor summer concert series. Actually, it was in the fall at uh, Lasden Park in Katona with my four-piece band. And I figured, let's put this together. It's a real snapshot of what this band is in the year of 2023. And so it's 23 tracks split down the middle from those two shows. And, um, you know, it was a fun way to share songs that we had recorded in more of the acoustic demo way. And, you know, we play it live with electric guitars and drums and that sort of thing. So it was just a, a fun exercise in seeing how we could present these songs. You know what I really like and what kind of grabbed me right away was, for me, it took me back about 20 years. And not so much in like the song or the songs. It's not like the songs sound like they're from the 90s. It's kind of my personal connection to it of... Growing up, downtown Birmingham, coming of age, Five Points South was the district, kind of the entertainment district back then that I would see some live acts. And it just reminded me of stuff like Brother Kane, Government Mule, Warren Haynes, I think some of his playing from the Allman Brothers, I, I, I can hear it. And it also reminded me of being, well, actually back to like 17, 18, 19 and going on a road trip with some friends or driving down to the coast. And back then, I would put on one... I'd grab like a handful of CDs. I wouldn't take the whole case logic. I would say, all right, this, I would grab six CDs in the jewel case, and this is going to be the this is gonna be for this trip. And Dan, I'm speaking to my listeners too. Folks, DZB 2023, if you hit play on Last Train and you're heading somewhere this weekend... For a couple hours, you're going to be on the road. This is a road trip album. Man, I love it. It's like... It, Thank you. You know, if you're... It's Monday as we're recording this. If you're... You got a 45-minute drive to work. Uh, you got some stuff going on, some things in, on your mind. It's been a, a difficult time for you. Put this on, and you'll be in a, a great mood right away. Uh, Dan, I love uh, when songwriters can infuse their own brand of humor into their songwriting karaoke in koreatown some of the lines here i mean out of tune cocoon uh just <laughs> hilarious if you've uh been to one karaoke bar one night you've been to them all i don't know it's it's a lot of a lot of times it's the same scene if you jumped in on it yourself uh you know exactly what he's talking about and i love that stuff so some instant favorites for me last train of course the guitar work on there is just incredible, Dan. Thank you. Power Lines was the one that took me back to how it felt for me being 24 years old, watching a band play live in those years. It's just got a, a great classic rock, kind of mid-90s groove to it. And on something like Power Lines, or is it the first 10 or 11 tracks where you guys were a three-piece? Or is yes. That with Yes, and that was actually Power Lines was one of the songs that we even playing it live we knew that we were recording the show but you were playing it live and i kind of look at my drummer james who is really big into those 90s alt rock bands and we were in a band in high school that played a ton of pearl jam and red hot chili peppers and that sort of stuff and so we finished power lines and we kind of look at each other and we go well that was pretty good maybe we should release this <laughs> and, and then after the show we had some friends that were like that version of power lines you got to get that out there and so it was kind of fun to have that, you know, kind of spark that idea to to really release everything. And again, if you're 
look, sometimes people just like to put a playlist together and they want to put on like two or three Dan Zlotnick songs to the playlist. I would, I'd really love for you to hear all 23 of them folks in a row. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get a lot of bang for your buck there because the further you get along, you're going to hit a, hit a song like feeling it too. Man, I love feeling it too. Uh, the concept behind it, the four friends on the, on the couch. How did that one come together? Uh, I think on Sisters in Song, they may have already asked you, you know, did the lyrics come first? Does the melody come to you? What a special song, man. Thank you. Yeah, that that song was, um, it's a very personal song for me and my wife and our two friends, Eric and Mallory, who we kind of have these biweekly or sometimes it means monthly just because of our schedules, kind of dinner dates. And we all just kind of hang out and we would tend to get past like the pleasantries and the how's everything going? Oh, everything's good. And, you know, in reality for pretty much everyone, it's not all good. And so, you know, we would have these nice talks after dinner about how's everything going. And pretty much everything in the song is directly from a conversation that we've had. So it was one of those where I had this idea and it was actually one of the very few songs where I wrote on the piano, even though I don't consider myself a piano player. But I started with this kind of, you know, it almost became kind of like I shall be released, this chord progression, very kind of melodic and, and slow and grooving. And then I transferred it over to the guitar and made it a little more complicated than I, than I could do on the piano. But yeah, that, that idea of, you know, we're all going through stuff. We don't have to solve every problem in the world. And sometimes just getting it out there is what feels nice. And I think that's why sometimes if you listen to sad songs, it makes you feel better. Because it's just, it's that feeling of community and, um, and being a part of the couch. Yeah, you have a way with your lyrics of putting people in a room that they're familiar with, in a place. I mean, even in like karaoke in Koreatown, the well, the lasagna that's frozen in the middle. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, or or in this song in particular, the TV's been stuck on the menu all night. As the heart, I may be reading this wrong. As the heart pumps the pain out your mouth. Yep, that's so, right. But you have a, a real relatable delivery. And I guess when people see you live also, too, they they can follow along with you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's actually one of the most important things to me when I'm writing a song is that I want people to get something out of it on the first listen. So it might not be the whole story that they're taking from it or it might not be the entire thing that I was coming up with. But, you know, I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin and the Allman Brothers and Pink Floyd and these things that just kind of sounded so out of the ordinary. Um, And I I was really intimidated to write lyrics until I started listening to John Prine and the Avett Brothers and the Lumineers and Amos Lee and all these people who used fairly simple, digestible language that you could really, on the first time you listen to it, kind of get the gist of the song. So that's something I try to do in my own writing, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really inviting and I think that a, a songwriter, it's I, I've only been introduced to you, I guess, in the past couple of weeks, and uh, so I don't know the full package. But it's one thing to to be a good songwriter and to and to record music that connects with people. But you're a performer, like I think you you really enjoy 
getting out there and connecting with your audience, right? I mean, do you see the looks on people's faces? Do, do you ever play a song? I didn't really, really think to ask of this beforehand, but do you ever play some of those songs that are pretty touching and you actually see a tear rolling down someone's cheek? And how does that make you feel? It's really amazing because I know that there's songs that do that to me <laughs> and, you know, that other people have written. So to know that I have connected with an audience member like that is really, it's like a privilege to be able to do it and then to share that moment with people. And I've had songs that I've kind of written that feel like I'm the only person who would ever get this. And then I'll go perform it and people come up to me after the show and they talk about how it reminded them of their sister or their mother or, you know, there's the, that kind of deeper level of connection that is hard to do without performing them live in front of people. So I definitely do call myself a performer. I love getting out there and playing for people and, and having those, you know, person to person moments. And I understand you and your bass player, Al Hemberger have, he recorded your first studio record. Is that right? Yes. He's, he's recorded a bunch more too. So we, we've done my first EP together. He did the bumpers album Day three, we recorded at a studio called Prep Sound in Queens, New York, but Al mixed it, and then a bunch of other stuff, singles here and there, and Al has come to my little home studio here and has helped me out here, so he's been a great uh, great engineer, great mentor, great friend, all the above. And bass um, player, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into that also. Um, you do a great cover of Hooked on a Feeling. That Thank one, you. I actually, I played back-to-back today. I was like, I got to hear it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's fun over? to get Al involved with the Uga Shakas. He's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to put him to uh, work, you know? <laughs> uh, I could talk about every track on here. One last one I want to mention, just because I've got a baby girl, and mm. I was going to ask you, I know you're a new dad, too, a relatively yes. new dad. The bottom line, I think this is one of the better tracks, and it's on the bottom the bottom quarter of the album, I think it's like number 20, maybe, the bottom line. Welcome to the world, baby girl. Be kind to yourself. It's hard to do. That's probably one of my favorite lines. Thank you. I remember my oldest son, we had to take him to a, a behavioralist mm. a couple of years ago for uh, just kind of get some understanding of things he was going through and acting out. And uh, the therapist asked me, well, what are your goals for your son? You know, what do you want going forward a few years, I guess? And I said, you know, I just want him to have a positive self-image. I started to say, I want you to be, I want him to be friendly, be nice to other people, and uh, be confident. And I was thinking, wait a second, where does that start from? It starts from a, a positive self-image. And um, that's so important with a kid. And I just, when you sang that line, I was like, that's it. That's perfect. Thank you. I feel like we had very similar thought processes on that and for different reasons. But yeah, I wrote that song. My daughter Cora is about eight and a half months old now. And um, about eight months ago, we were sitting on the porch and I was playing that song. And it kind of, that was, I think that was maybe the last line that I wrote from that song. I was like, there needs to be something else here. And, you know, you can, because the, the line before that is, be good to other be good to others and let them be good to you but i think one thing that people forget is to be good to yourself too 
So it snuck in there, and I'm I'm pretty proud of that line. Yeah, and just adding in the the second part, it's hard to do, and you know that as an adult, there are some times it is hard to be good to yourself. I just want to read this other lyric: "The birds won't always sing like they do now." That is just beautiful stuff, Dan. And people often turn the sunshine down. How often have we seen that? You you're having a good day, and then you get around just you know a curmudgeon type or mm-hmm. someone who's always the eeyore of the room. But there's room for everybody. But sometimes, yeah, that that happens, and you find that out in life. You'll tire yourself out trying to know why, uh, but I think you go on to say, just remember the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So that, I, I thought I had my favorite picked out with power lines. I'm probably going to bounce around. The bottom line is just phenomenal. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, uh, it's become part of our bedtime routine. That song is, <laughs> has been played many times in the last eight and a half months to an audience of one. <laughs> Well, congratulations on being a dad. Thank you. Um, I know, from obviously from experience, that brings on a, a set of challenges. It changes your routine a little bit. How has being a father with a, a baby um, affected the way that you write and schedule your creative time? Yeah, so it's it has been surprising to me because... Uh, my wife is a teacher, so she's gone from seven to three or so, and I play music and I coach baseball after school. So I'm home with Cora all day, and I really thought off the bat that my writing time would be completely gone because there's so much to do for booking, for scheduling, for social media, for my website maintenance, all of the administrative stuff that independent musicians go through and I thought that writing would be the thing that got just totally wiped out but because Cora and I are hanging out in the living room all day I pull down a guitar from the wall or I sit at the piano and I sing and we play music together and I'm singing to her and she's crawling over to me and crawling up the guitar and so I've actually been writing more than I ever have just because I'm forced to be creative and I'm forced to sit there and and be a dad and not do the business stuff. So the ideas have been coming. Some of them are kids songs. Some of them are not kids songs. Some of them are somewhere in the middle of, you know, children's music, parent music. And it's just been a lot of fun to be able to do that. But it's uh, I'm very lucky to have that time with her. And I'm lucky that she's interested in music, too, because it keeps me singing. Wow. With special memories and special bond that you're building with your daughter. Yeah. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I heard from my, my dad was, he said, son, your your children, when they're at that age, eight months old, or a year and a half, or even two or three, they're not going to remember all these moments. But all this time you're putting in with them is kind of built into their subconscious. Mm. Yes, it's, it's It's going to pay off, and... So uh, don't snooze on the opportunities to, to bond with them. And it, it sounds like you're really enjoying that part of it. Totally. And I know there's also, you know, not to be you know negative, but there is the flip side of eventually when she's older and wants to hang out with me on a Friday night, that's my, that's usually my work time. So we're, uh, you know, always having conversations about what, what those weekends might look like. But, you know, the, the family time, being able to do, 
to be dad during the day and, you know, have family time early in the week for sure is, is really amazing. Now, you mentioned writing some, some children's music, and I, I heard that on the Sisters in Song episode. Do you have plans for, like, releasing some materials, some songs for kids? No concrete plans right now, but I am definitely collecting songs and, and, and trying to see what might work if there if there's an album there, if there's an EP there, if there are singles. But, yeah, it's uh, early last year, about this time last year, I signed a publishing deal with TRO Essex Music Group, and they have the publishing for Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger and Lead Belly and these people that Oscar Brand that have great children's music. So I've definitely been inspired by listening to that that stuff. And um, you know, I'm I'm I feel like I'm writing a new children's song every day just to like, you know, get the carrot puree in Cora's mouth <laughs> during lunchtime <laughs> or whatever it is. So there's you know, that's it's this constant flow of things and I'm kind of as you probably can tell from my Spotify, I'm not one to hold on to things that I, that, I, that I'm recording or ideas that I'm coming up with. So I'm sure that I'll I'll have something soon, but nothing concrete yet. But yeah, well, you have a real um, approachable vibe about you. I can kind of picture if you were to pull out a, an acoustic guitar sitting around uh, a park fountain or something, that kids would just naturally be drawn to you. You've got. A great big smile. You just seem like a really warm guy. And thank you. Um, so, yeah, anyway. and I've even noticed that at, at bars and restaurants that I play, that kids are. It doesn't matter if you're playing kids songs; they just love music. And that's one of the things that I've been toying with is this idea that it doesn't necessarily have to be just a kids album or just a, an adult album. That there's there's just music and there's different things to sing about and. Some of it is brushing your teeth, <laughs> and some of it is, yeah. you know, more uh, more serious things. But it's all good. So you so you coach baseball and you give private baseball lessons or instruction, right? Yes, for the most part. There's some small groups. Some, sometimes I'll work with teams here and there, but that's uh, that's my side get my side gig. Now you played all the way to the collegiate level and in some independent league baseball. I of course never got that far, but Dan, when you've got baseball in the blood, is it? Do you ever? Are you always still thinking about baseball? You love the game. Um, how do you balance that with music? I mean, I'm not going to ask you. Well, which one do you love more, baseball or music? <laughs> but I mean, I love the game of baseball. I think about it all the time. I love watching it. Love going to the ball games. And um, yeah, how, how does? Oh, I like all the time I'm thinking about baseball, especially, you know, and I'm not really a football fan, but I'll watch the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. And then when the Super Bowl is over, it is straight up spring training time. And that is my my focus. Even before then, I'm thinking about what deals are being made in the offseason. You know, you're just watching old highlights even. And it's uh, it's an exciting time of year for me. Now, I got to ask you also, so during your playing days at Marist, do you remember games like I was reading over some stats and some your career summary? Do you remember stuff today like the Delaware State performance, the 10 strikeouts? Can you still put yourself on the mound in like the fifth inning of that game? Like, do you remember things like that? Totally. I remember that mound 
there was it was a weird visual on that mound at Delaware State. Like the mound was super high, but there was a divot between the mound and home plate. So it, but then it came back up, so it actually was level. And my first like six warm up pitches from that game were like spiked fastballs. I could not figure out how to throw it to home plate. And then I think I threw like seven and a third no hit innings or something like that. It was something crazy. But yeah. I'm glad you picked yeah. that game because there were plenty of other games that you could have picked. <laughs> I remember the old right. Dominion game when I came in and walked four guys straight and then came out. So that you know I can definitely yeah. put myself in in those situations again. Uh and now your freshman season at Marist, if I'm getting this correct, you got you got a win in your first appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, five five innings was it George Washington? Was uh, it George Washington? George Ma- George Mason. My first, actually, that game against George Mason, I was playing right field. I think I was the leadoff hitter and playing right field my my freshman year. I don't remember my first. I think my first pitching outing was at UNC Charlotte. And I gave up a couple runs, <laughs> so I don't think I got the win. There. <laughs> yeah, so I I saw that you you pitched, you bat bat left, South Paul, um, bats left, throws left. I always like when you go to like baseballreference.com dot com and you can look up like a guy from the eighteen hundreds or the nineteen twenties, and yeah. it still says bats plural, like he's still around bats and throws. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. Only in baseball did yeah. you see that. I love that. So you manned the outfield positions. Did you play mm-hmm. all three outfield positions? I think at, at some point I played each. Um, in high school, I was definitely a center fielder. But when I got to college, they they moved me all around. And you know, when I was when I played professionally, I didn't play any outfield. But I loved taking batting practice in the outfield. Like I still had that. I loved shagging fly balls and. You know, running him down, getting my sprints in that way. When you played and like going back to being seven or eight years old, did you have, did you think, okay, I, my dream is to be a major league baseball player. Like, were you one of those little kids where that's what you definitely wanted to do? Cause I did, but I was like, I quickly found out what that that's not the cards for you, buddy. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely so- had that dream. I didn't, I don't think I ever realized how good I actually was which is kind of a weird thing to say until I started getting recruited by colleges and there's the date. I think it was July 1st of your junior year when college coaches can reach out to you. And I had a bunch of division one schools interested in bringing me on as a pitcher. And that was kind of like, Oh, like, wow. I'm, and this is all the way through high school. And you know, it was like, I didn't, I don't think I really understood that I had a shot at, making money playing baseball until then. And, you know, after that, I definitely put a lot more pressure on myself. And, you know, it, it there were periods where it wasn't as fun because of that, but it was also really, really fun for most of it. So, I um, yeah, that was pretty much the, the story of it. Well, when you were uh, – <laughs> this is it, it's kind of jumping around a little bit, but still keeping it on baseball – you're at the right place, the right time at Yankee Stadium at 2017. You managed to snag Aaron Judge's 50th home run ball. And I was like, when I saw that, I was like, wow. He was a rookie in 2017, and he's, he's already put up the kind of numbers he's put up. Tell me about that experience. And also, I got to say, uh, last August, I went to see the Braves 
and the Yankees in Atlanta and saw Aaron Judge relatively up close from like the mezzanine level, I'm like, this that is a large human being. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see like a, a guy like that walking around Costco. Yeah, right. What was it like just the experience? Just take me through getting the ball and then meeting Aaron Judge. Yeah, so it was it was a random like makeup day on a sun or a Monday afternoon game at the end of the season, and my friend Steve and I from Marist, we're going to see our ex-teammate and friend Kevin McCarthy, who is a reliever for the Royals. So we're sitting by him in the bullpen, and there's not a lot of people at the game because it's a Monday afternoon in September, I think. And the ball bounces 50 million ways. It ends up in my hands, and this is like... I've never even caught a foul ball at a Yankee game or, or any major league game, so this is just insane. Um and then uh, Steve and I had been talking throughout the game, knowing that Judge was near the record, and he actually tied the record earlier in the game. So we started thinking, okay, what would happen if we got the ball? And we decided that we would give it back to him, which now that I, you know, my wife and I are paying for house projects, I kind of wish that I hadn't given it back to him. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, no, but it was the right thing to do. But house projects are expensive. So, uh <laughs> You know, security surrounded me immediately and 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 basically said, if you give us the ball back, we'll take you down after the game. You'll get to meet him. You'll go on the field, all this stuff. So that's exactly what we did. We got to see the clubhouse. We got to sit in the dugout. We got to go behind home plate at Yankee Stadium, which is just super cool. And, and it was great to meet Aaron Judge, too, who is just enormous and I'm not you know I'm not a small guy for a baseball player I'm a little bit on the smaller side I'm about 5'10 and he just like he made me look like a little boy and it's it's just you know he was so nice and so gracious and appreciative but yeah he's he's one of the biggest people I think I've ever seen in my life isn't it pretty cool like uh I think I was reading the story where you guys were spending some time talking to him. And if you played baseball up to, you know, a certain level and you're talking to a guy like Aaron Judge, you still have like those, what, six degrees of separation from, uh, of Kevin Bacon or whatever, where you can name drop some guys and he's like, oh yeah, I know that. I know Steve. Or I, totally. I play with yes, him. And that. And that, exactly. And then, and so Steve at the time was in the Baltimore Orioles system and in the minor league. So you know, he knew people there that would run into Judge and say, you know, hey, I know one of the guys who caught your ball. <laughs> and so, you know, there were, there were like, you know, these weird baseball ties. It becomes a very small world when you play at a high level and even with the major leagues, which is really cool to watch those guys and go, hey, I, I know someone who knows that guy or I know that guy or I played with that guy or, you know, that sort of thing. I could keep asking questions about baseball and uh, and your playing career. Did you get nervous before before a start when you were pitching? Did you get nervous when you're up to bat and you're facing a guy and you're like, I got, I've seen this guy before. He always throws it high and tight. I can't catch up to him. This is not fun. Or did you have experiences like that, or were you always thinking, I got it? I mean, if you, if, I mean, you've seen my baseball reference. Like pretty much every, every start, every at bat was was pretty nerve wracking for me. No, but there were, more memorable would be the times where I felt like either like I totally have no idea where the ball is going when I'm pitching, or 
I can put this ball wherever I want and no one's ever going to touch me. So there were, there were definitely, it was, a, there was very little in the middle for my career. Um, but I definitely remember like my first at bat was against George Mason in college and I'm a freshman leading off the season and their pitcher is like six, seven and he wasn't throwing in crazy hard, but it was just to see a George Mason uniform and you go, wow, that's like a real, that's like a real college. <laughs> and yeah, he's, yeah. you know, he's 60 feet away, but he's six, seven. So he looks like he's, you know, right on top of you. And, um, I remember those feelings and then, you know, times where, you're in the bullpen warming up to pitch and everything just is working right and you go all right i'm going to go out there and and this is going to be fun you know those those were those were really fun feelings that you know i i do miss a little bit but not too much to go back and try to play again <laughs> when you're speaking of the bullpen when you're getting loosened up maybe this is different everywhere but do you pretty much know okay i'm definitely going in the next inning or after this after he records this next out or were there times where you got up and you're, you're kind of getting, getting yourself psyched for it. And then they say, all right, sit back down. We're going to wait another couple innings. And you're like, you know, how, what's that experience like? Did you go through that? All the time. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time you do have a pretty good idea of it. Um, For the teams that I played for, we didn't have a dedicated bullpen coach, but the pitching coach and the head coach were usually in pretty good communication about, you know, what situation you might go in. I remember my senior year, I transferred to the University of Tampa. And it was, I hadn't gotten into any games yet. And the coach said, if we go up by four, you'll go in and and get some work. And we were up by two, we were up by two. And then with two outs, my teammate hit a two-run home run. (laughs) And so they go, all right, Dan, go get hot. And so, you know, you have like, you know, 10 seconds to warm up and that outing went great. And, you know, it's like there's the, being a relief pitcher, you're always ready to be up and down. You're always ready to go in when you think it's, you know, when it makes sense for you to go face the lefty or whatever. Um, and then there are those times where you're just getting pulled off the bench out of nowhere and you got to go real quick and, you know, next thing you know, you're in a game. So always ready. Um, so like after some of these games and you're, you're back on the bus or you're traveling to the game or traveling back, uh, do you have a guitar at this time? Are you, are you writing songs in college? No. Um, but then when I went to Trinidad, Colorado for my first stint in independent minor league ball, I had a little, it was, I guess not quite a toy guitar, but a pretty cheap nylon string guitar that I would take on these bus trips when we were going from Colorado to Alpine, Texas that are, it's like a 10 hour bus ride. And so that, that was kind of fun to have the guitar with me. And there were, there's always teammates, you know, there's this weird connection, like you were saying with music and baseball. And I've always had teammates that also played guitar or other instruments. So, you know, I had a teammate on that team, John Sullivan, who's still a singer songwriter, still playing in North Carolina and uh, we link up every so often and it's kind of cool to have you know have the teammate that didn't mind me playing guitar on the bus <laughs> <laughs> that must have been fun though just being around the group of guys for whatever team that you're on and people probably imagine that some ball players that's just that's what they do that's all they do that's all there is to them and I'm sure you probably met some other guys that had some unique interests 
besides just playing baseball. They just happen to be super talented. They belonged there, but they were, you know, they loved painting or something like that. Totally. And that, and yeah, right. I, I've connected always with like the other musicians on the team, but you know, they're really good writers and people that have become photographers or other creative endeavors that don't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily assume that a jock baseball player would be interested in. And, and, you know, you always hear that, what is it? Baseball players want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be ball players or something like that. <laughs> it makes sense. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> you gotta do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you have a favorite movie, a favorite baseball movie uh, of all time? Or do you, do you watch those or do you really get into those? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say the Sandlot because I think that's like just how baseball should be played. But I also have always loved the rookie with Dennis Quaid. That was, and now that I'm coaching, I tell all my, my clients to go watch the rookie and, you know, let them know that I still got it a little bit. (laughs) Oh man. The rookie is fantastic. Yeah. On Netflix now, I think it's called the hill with Dennis Quaid. I don't know that one. Highly. Oh my gosh. Highly recommend it. Get the box of tissues out. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be waterfalls. I love it. Yeah. That was a good sort of thing. Yeah. Probably some um, good sad songs in that movie too. Yeah, yeah, I love the Sandlot. I think was there a sequel to that? There's a Sandlot too, and there was, but I don't know if I've ever even seen it. It's like, I don't why, think I why did. bother try to you know live up to the Sandlot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back to music, do you remember your first concert, or maybe your first first concert or favorite concert memory as a a kid, a teenager, that's that sort of thing. Um, well, speaking of, so DZB 2023, that, that, that was my first concert, but in the second half of the album, we have the keyboard player, John Cobert playing and John has been touring with Tom Chapin, who is a great singer songwriter who also has a bunch of children's music, um, for like 35 years. And my parents took me to see Tom Chapin when I was probably six or seven years old and there's a good chance that John Cobert, my now current keys player, was playing at that concert when I was just a little boy, oh, which is kind of cool. So my parents were very involved. I think I can faintly remember going to see a Raffi concert. There was the Tom Chapin show. And then my first big stadium show was Bruce Springsteen at Giant Stadium oh, wow. on the, uh, I think it was 2003 on the Rising Tour. And that was a pretty... Hard to forget that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a feeling. Yeah. How about a favorite song that you loved? It was like, all right, this is my song when you were, say, 16, that you still like and you listen to today, or maybe you perform it still. Uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. The acoustic version of Growing Up by Bruce Springsteen was oh, yeah. on the 18 tracks CD. And that was one of my first Bruce Springsteen CDs. That was mine. And I was like the first song on the album. The first time I heard that song and I just played it the other night at my gig. <laughs> I was like, this is a song I haven't played in a while, but I've been playing it forever. And it's just such a great story about growing up and, and being a kid and trying to prove yourself. And there's some great guitar work in it, which makes it a lot of fun to play. Um, any, any music movies or documentaries? Um, 
this is Spinal Tap is like right up my alley in terms of sense of humor and you know it kind of checks off both. It's a movie and a documentary, <laughs> a mockumentary, a rockumentary. Yeah. Dan, this has been so much fun. Gosh, we could talk for another 30, 45 minutes or an hour uh, oh, yeah. if if you if you'd let me. What's <laughs> something All right, so you you do have a baby girl. What is something that you guys, the three of you like to do when it's just family time and you're you're out somewhere. Do, are you taking her to the restaurants yet and sticking her in the high chair with her little legs sticking out and she barely fits in the thing and you can't you buckle her in but does it matter because she doesn't. Yeah, not <laughs> we haven't done that a ton, um, but we we really enjoyed when it's nice out, like going on walks and and going to see friends and and just spending as much time outside as possible. You know, it's it's February in New York, so it's not <laughs> always so easy. But um, you know, we'll we'll bundle her up and and bring her out in the snow. Or we went to there's a Rye Beach, which is where the um, I think it's Zoltar from the movie Big. That's where that was. That boardwalk there. It turns turn in the winter. It turns into a dog beach. So we took our dog there and and had the whole family outing there. So you know, any any time we can spend some. Quality time outside is, is what we like to do. Man, I love every bit of it. Cherish that little girl, and they, they everybody's right when they say they see you with your little baby, and they say, "Oh, she's so sweet, she's so cute." Hey, Dad, it's gonna it's gonna go by fast, so uh, make sure you you know everything that they're telling you. The old folks that you pass by, they're right. right. I, it <laughs> took me a minute to figure that out. Well, thank you, I appreciate it, and it's fun to be able to have that advice coming in and, and making sure that I am appreciating every moment that I have with her. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I understand you might have your guitar nearby. I could put in a request, but I'm just going <laughs> to uh, let you surprise us here with, with the song. All right. Well, so I I didn't know what I was going to play either. Uh, <laughs> but but just talking about... I could put one in, but... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe I'll do two. What, what's your request if you have one? Oh, gosh. I would say... Hmm, how about She's a Little Bit? She's that's, a Little Bit. Cool. Man, I think that's... If I had to pick a hit, I think that, that's got to go over pretty well with your audience. Yeah, I like She's a Little Bit or... You know me, the bottom line. So, yeah, let's let's go. She's a little bit, and then uh, and then I'll play the one that I was thinking of from our baseball talk. But yeah, she's a All little. Right. Bit. Here we go. She's a little bit, just a second. She's a little bit all day long. She's a little bit always right. She's a little bit never wrong. She's a little bit. Conversation. She's a little dog. Talk to me. She's a little bit who I dream of. She's the only one I see. Look, she's a rooftop 
dance in twilight She's a kiss beneath the rain She's glowing in the sunlight She's brighter that's cool is that, is that all right absolutely yeah so this one is a, a song that i wrote i wrote the music on the bus so i had that little guitar and i was out in you know somewhere in the southwest um not pitching well <laughs> and i wanted i wanted to come home and just be with my friends and family and um i didn't write the lyrics till i got home but yeah, it was one of those one of those times where I was like, you know, I just got this riff that keeps repeating and repeating and repeating, and I know there's something there, so I'm gonna let it marinate. and And the time was right to write the lyrics. So this is a song called "Coming Home." They say, regret it if you stay Go out and find yourself so I'm on my way My whole life ahead so much I haven't seen Time is on my side, chasing my dreams So it seems No place I could go No mountain or open road Countryside or Broadway show That compares to coming home Under stars at night I swam the clearest ocean And drank the finest wine But I'm just passing time A moon is following me Through 
a bus window I want to bring it with me all the way home Man, I need to come home There's no place I could go No mountain or open road Side or Broadway show Thank you so much. Thank you. Man, I gotta throw I gotta throw a five, a ten, or a twenty in your guitar case if, if I could. Yeah. That would be awesome. a far throw from where you are to where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have you played that? Have you played Coming Home? Have you performed that live yet? Um yeah, a million times. Yeah. That one uh-huh. that one's on my album day three. And uh, I've actually released another live version of that this year, so I didn't think we needed another one on DZB 2023. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's a favorite of mine to play live. Well, and I was telling you before the episode started, there's a really special song that you play at the end of the Sisters and Song episode. I won't ask you to play it here. I mean, unless you want, unless you want to play one more. But that had a really deep meaning. I've had a guest on this show, Dan Kabelka from Chatham-Kent, Ontario, Canada. And he's he's a uh, two-time heart transplant recipient, and he shared a special story when he was last on the, ep- on the podcast about meeting his donor's mother, I believe, one of his first donor's mother, after about 30 years. And it was a, a really special experience. And then they, they uh, formed a friendship separate from that connection. They were able to kind of get past that and form a friendship. But anyway, when I heard you heard that song today on, on that episode, it was r- very moving for me, and I, I can't wait for my friend Dan to hear it as well. Yeah, well, that's that's amazing. And what a story and what a brave way to share that, too, on a, on a podcast, because that's a, that's a really intimate moment. And um, when I first wrote this song, it was the same story I had seen from a, a friend of mine in college. And, you know, I was like, I wrote this song, but it's okay if you don't want me to ever share it. <laughs> and I understand if that's mm. too much for you. And she and her family listened to it and they were like, nope, go play it, go do it. And, you know, it's that I, I changed names and that sort of thing. But yeah, this is that moment of a recipient of a heart transplant meeting the mother of the donor, which is just unimaginable. So... I'll, I'll play it. You know, why not? Right? I've got my guitar. I'm on, <laughs> one I, more. Yeah, I'm on Dan time. You know, this is... Here we go. This is called I'm Not Leaving. She felt her son's heart beating chest of another man The 
accident took Jackson I gave this man a second chance She bowed her head a moment From the weight of the memory The last thing Jackson told her Faded soft and sweet I'm not leaving you behind Cause I'm not leaving you at all her head up slowly Can I ask a favor of you Can you go to see the Badlands Jackson always wanted to He said ma'am I would be honored More than ever know I will bring him to Dakota and everywhere I ever go I'm not leaving you behind cause I'm not Almost ten years later The man said his goodbyes And his body turned to soil Sending roses to the sky A young girl picked a yellow one She gave it to her best friend With a note in her best cursive It said together through the end I'm not leaving you behind I'm not leaving you at 
Thank you so much. Dan, do you do you have a P.O. box where I can uh, send you my receipt for the box of Kleenex? Do, do I get reimbursed? <laughs> uh, do I scan, scan and email that to you and you just send me? That was so powerful. Thank you. Everybody that just heard that performance, you've got, you took it in your own special way. I just love the way it ends and how commitment to someone is passed on, uh, how, you, how, the, how you tell that story. Thank you. Incredible. Well, on that note, Dan, I, I'm probably getting the hook here from uh, my wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as we're recording this, it's um, coming up on 9 o'clock our time. I have so enjoyed this conversation with you. I hope you have as well. Same to you. Yes, this has been great. Thanks so much, Dan. And uh, everybody listening, be sure to, I, I really shouldn't even have to tell you now, you've heard the man perform. What more do you need to hear? <laughs> uh, go out there and add this music to your catalog. Again, you got a trip planned for uh, spring break coming up. You're driving somewhere for a few hours. Play DZB 2023. You're going to have four or five people in the car, even if it's not your cup of tea, which how could it not be? Someone's going to just say, hey, who is this? What is this? Who are you listening to, Dad? Uh, or whatever. <laughs> add add this to your catalog. And, and Dan's also got day three bumpers, some other material out there for download. Check it out. If you're in the tri-state area, Dan's performing something like half the year anyway, right? Uh, Pretty so much, a good chance yeah. <laughs> you, you could see him live. Thank you. Yeah. No, and all my stuff's at danslotnick.com. There's shows, there's music, there's videos, ways to reach out, get in touch, and, uh, you know, love love to meet people all over the world. So come say hi, wherever you are. And amazingly enough, there is a another Dan Zlotnick musician, so be sure to throw that C in the CK at the end, or you'll land on a different avenue. Maybe a future Dan time guest. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Connect with Dan on social media. Did we? This is this will be in the show notes too. But where do they find you on those channels? Again, just if you search Dan Zlotnick, that's pretty much. Uh, it's nice having a name like that. Z L O T N I C K, and uh, I'm pretty easy to find on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. I've been uh, trying out TikTok a little bit, but, you know, those those first three are the main ones, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Okay, Dan, best to you in 2024 as we move through the year here. Can't wait to hear what you got coming up next. And I got to ask, would you make a return visit to the Dan Time podcast sometime uh, next year? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, if my, if my name is still Dan... I'm happy to do it. So, no, but seriously, it, I really, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate the, uh, the research you've done on my music and, and the kind words. It, it means a lot. So thank you. It's been a blast. Okay, folks. And uh, remember a couple things here. This episode is a great reminder. If you're feeling down, you're feeling low, you, you're grieving, you lost somebody, and get, get out there, seek out people. There are people that are going through similar experiences, and uh, they're there for you. And, and even if you just need some more time, you're not ready to get around to someone or talk about it, um, listen to Dan Zlotnick. Listen to some of his songs. It'll, bring, it'll, it'll put a smile on your face, and um, I, I think he did that today on this appearance. So be good to each other. 
And, and just remember, be kind to yourself, even though it's hard to do. Be kind to yourself. That's it for this episode of Dan Time. We'll see you next Sunday on the Dan Time Podcast. Thank you, Dan Zlotnick. Take care, my friend. You too. Thank you so much. Treasure, treasure, don't you know I'll find treasure everywhere I go. Treasure, treasure, can't you see all this time the treasure chest was me.